Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Masters of the Matrix. I'm Greg M. Today, I have with me Tina Irwin, who I've had on recently for our Halloween special. Tina is a psychic medium and a ghost helper and is a retired commander with the U.S. Navy. She is a very knowledgeable researcher with very strong intuition. So for today's episode, we're going to dive into one of my favorite topics, Atlantis. And I know that Tina has a lot of knowledge on this subject, so I thought it would be amazing to have her on as a guest again to discuss this mystical yet very relevant topic. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you so much, Greg, for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So good to have you again. And I'm really excited for this, this discussion because, you know, I just mentioned it's, it's a mystical yet relevant topic. Now, for you, I just quick, quickly want to get into how did you sort of discover some things about Atlantis and what did that look like? I've always been interested in Atlantis, and I listened to the prevailing thought and used, I guess, my own intuition to determine, does this make sense? Does this ring true for me? Some things ring true, some things never did. And I've traveled all over the world. I haven't been everywhere, but I've, I've been to a lot of, an awful lot of places. and. After you've traveled a lot and you've been to a lot of the ancient monuments include and studied monuments you haven't even been to, you come to some really profound conclusions. And you know, Atlantis is always in the back of my mind because it's this amazing romantic place. But it destroyed itself twice. There's a lesson there. And we need to pay attention to that lesson. So that was part of my reason for studying it. And what do you think for people out there that, you know, they've heard about Atlantis and that it's just possibly some ancient civilization? What is, from your research, what is Atlantis? What, what has it been in the past? Was it like just an area of the, the earth that was advanced or were they just thinking differently, being differently? What did that look like from, from your perspective, from your research? I think we have to go back to... a time before Atlantis, which was Lemuria. And Lemuria was a civilization of, of dynamic, that's a very inappropriate word, but far more than even the word dynamic, spiritual beings who had a continent where Hawaii is. And that is where the ancient Huna tradition, we've all heard jokes about the big kahuna but kahuna means the, the wise one would be like the shamans or the medicine men, but on steroids to, to bring it to more modern terminology. They were the white magicians of Lemuria, and they set up these amazing laws for civilization that brought balance and that there are descendants of these people in Hawaii today. And when you are in Hawaii or you study the works of HUNA, H-U-N-A, it's a very, very powerful concept that is a very spiritual concept. And I use it with all my clients, helping them to understand various elements of their, 
their own spiritual path. But there was a cataclysm and Lemuria was destroyed. And as it was destroyed, it the, the people who were on Lemuria, again, this was in the Pacific, they spread to other parts of the world. And you can see remnants of what was the Lemurian civilization and the, the peacefulness that was the Hawaiian people. But as you get farther and farther away from Hawaii, what you find is that a lot of the communities became more primitive and less enlightened. Uh, and the knowledge stayed on Hawaii. It didn't seem to spread as far out. But when those individuals with this high spiritual knowledge left, they started Atlantis. And the prevailing view is that Atlantis was the um, large sort of a semi-continent off the coast of Portugal. And there was a landmass there because they know birds always try to land there. It's as if that corporate memory lives within seabirds and that that's where it was. But some people say, well, no, it was in the Mediterranean. Oh my gosh. No, it was, it was, it, they come up with all these different places, but you have to remember <laughs> Atlanteans were so advanced that they were global. They weren't in just one place. And when you take that concept of they weren't just right off this little tiny island and there was just a few of them and, and expand it to they were global, all of a sudden, all of these incredible places all over the world make sense. In addition to the fact that they're were a lot of alien civilizations that planted groups here as experiments, which explains why you have Asian culture and culture in India and Central South America and the African continent and Northern Africa. And you have a lot of different experiments that went on. But Atlantis was everywhere. They were in the Amazon jungle. <laughs> they established amazing irrigation systems. So they were in a lot of places. And the knowledge and the technology they had was kept in balance by this high spiritual belief in the basic laws of Lemuria. But as time went on, as thousands of years passed, a lot of that knowledge simply slipped away with generations. It's like if you look at the United States today, the We the People, the Constitution, which founded a country, it was a Star Trek, original Star Trek about this, Omega Glory, was that Star Trek, which is a very special episode. A lot of the reasons faded, and it became a division between the sons of Belial, which is very evil, and the children of the law of one. The law of one meaning one God, the, the soul we are one, and the consciousness growing in communion with higher realms. That was a really big deal. And so that's... That's a little bit about, that was the first Atlantis. And then there was a, there's a lot of discussions on what the cataclysm was, but there was a cataclysm and it was destroyed, but they knew it was coming. 
So a lot of them separated and moved to other places. And, and then they started again. And so they built this enormous, incredible civilization with flying machines and great crystals. The crystals from Atlantis uh, were staggering, and they grew their own, just like we're growing crystals today. We grow crystals in outer space. We also grow gallium arsenide in space. You can't have the communication we have today without pure 100% water-clear crystal. And the Atlanteans figured out how to manufacture their own in an entire rainbow of important colors. And they use those colors for healing. Let me stop for a minute. How are we doing? Fantastic. I, I mean, this is just wonderful information. So are you thinking now that when that civilization split off from Lemuria, now, when you look at the world, now, it's, you said in the Amazonian jungle, there's using a lot of, like, uh, LADAR technology that uses sound to like penetrate the ground to see what's really going on underneath the canopy of the, of the forest. They're showing like massive structures, like more than just like Machu Picchu. They're all over the place. There's pyramids in yep. Bosnia, China, South yep. America, Egypt. Now, is this directly from them from that time yes. or was that from the second part? Uh, it's hard to tell. I, I, I'm not qualified to say it was first or second. Mm -hmm. I can. I have been to the centermost point of the Great Pyramid. I have stood in the King's Chamber. I have touched that sarcophagus and looked at the ceiling and breathed in the purest air you can possibly imagine. And I can tell you for sure the Arabs did not build that. <laughs> well, and they say it's a tomb as well. Like it's, it, it was, was never a, a tomb. A, yeah. It was never a tomb, and there were no hieroglyphics ever found in it. I certainly didn't see them, and I went up the Grand Gallery myself. I had this overwhelming compulsion to be there, and we went from one end of Egypt, from Cairo to Aswan, and when you look at the monuments that were built, and this is true of Petra in Jordan, they're gigantic. The, the, I mean, we saw several different pyramids, but a lot of different temples. And the technology is mind-boggling. I mean, the Ramses tomb in the Valley of the Queens, it's a steady decline a mile down. It's, a, it's like a tunnel that's a mile down. Wow. There's graffiti from the ancient Greeks. So that tomb was old when Greece was young. And when you get, and it's perfectly decorated, the geometries are impeccable all the way down. And you're in the very, very, you get to the very bottom and the, the hieroglyphs in there are just jaw dropping. And we're there and I'm, I'm telling my husband, take this picture, take this picture. I'm never coming back. Quick, quick. And he says, camera doesn't work. I said, no, this is no time for levity. Take this picture. And he said, what about the camera doesn't work? Don't you get? <laughs> Shoot, eh? We, had, we took four cameras and 100% of them stopped working. Oh, wow. It was somebody didn't want me to take those photographs. So we had, to, we had a few from the other people on the trip. But everything I took was wiped out. That's so interesting. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of energy going on there. They whether it's like they laser cut these these blocks with 
either what sound technology, mind technology, psychic technology, but it's no way that they were done with hand tools, um, hand carving, whatever. No, there wasn't any way. And and this method where you, you know, you chisel a piece of wood and you wet it and the wood expands. That's random. You're never going to get precision cuts with that. It's like Puma Punko up in uh, the Bolivian plain. It's the the precision cuts of Puma Punko are so perfect. It is jaw dropping. And all the pieces fit together and it's, it's all laser cut. There's no, there's no question. But getting back to your very important question about pyramids. Pyramids aren't just a cool shape. Pyramids all over the planet are linked as energy structures. And what, what I found fascinating, there was one show I saw one time where this very, very curious woman finds an Egyptian shaman who knew they existed. And this man started showing her the volume of pyramids in Egypt. I saw them all over the place. I couldn't believe it. But she showed us more, that they covered Egypt. But as you study, I mean, I lived in Central America and I lived in South America. There's pyramids everywhere, especially Central America. I mean, they're in all the farmer's fields. We're having to, to, to farm around them. There's pyramids everywhere. So if you use them as an inter as an, an integral energy link, they're all linked energetically because of, of how they work, then what you find is that they had energy that could be used to every outpost all over the world. It's the only thing that makes sense for why there are so many globally and that they were working to provide energy to every outpost all over the world. I mean, there's a, um, there's a staggering pyramid off the coast of Japan. I mean, it's just huge. It's in like 35 feet of water. No, right. And it was, it was on the surface. So if you look at how much the water has risen since that time, but they don't know who built it, but it's still putting out an energy field. Interesting. Interesting. So even though they're, you know, physically defunct or they're, the bricks are missing, you're still thinking that these are operational, that these are actually providing some sort of energetical benefit to us right now. They're providing an energy source. Who they're benefiting, I don't know, because mm-hmm. we're certainly not overtly using them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know there's a massive one in China, China and Japan and Bosnia. Um, there's pyramids all over Mexico. The fact that what the, the whole pyramid structure at Teotihuacan, and I've been there too, looks like an integrated circuit from the air. It's actually quite fascinating. This was a, this was a very interesting observation on ancient aliens, which I thought was, was extremely astute. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there is a massive, massive pyramid in Antarctica. So we know that they cover the world. Right. And there's a pattern there where, you know, not only they are all, all over the world, but that, that sort of intricate design with the stonework. You know, when you go, when you look back to something ancient and you see these like 50 ton rocks being used in perfect 
symmetry, just fitting together like a glove. And then you see a civilization that comes, you know, 10,000 years ago, you can see like the rickety sort of structure they built on top of it. And that's happened a lot in South America, I believe, where you see this ancient, well, that they actually, I think the archaeologists say that it's from Inca. So what, but what it appears is that the Incan civilization built it on top of this ancient, perhaps pre-Atlantis civilization. And so there's this common thread that's like, you can see all around the world, even when you go into Bermuda and you go, there's that, um, they call it the road to Atlantis. And you can kind of see that. The Bimini Road that Edgar Casey talked road. about. Right, yeah. right. And so I'm, I'm guessing that is probably tied into what happens around Bermuda. You were talking about the crystals that the Atlanteans used. And is that to do with, with the weird phenomenon that happens in the Bermuda Triangle? Missing planes, oh. missing people. Well, there are several, there are Bermuda Triangles. Again, another one right off the coast of Japan where this pyramid is. Mm. There are Bermuda Triangles in several parts of the world where you have phenomenon happen. And what triggers the portals to open is not fully understood. And I I suspect sometimes there are crystals, sometimes it's atmospherics. Sometimes somebody just gets caught when somebody's coming through, and it could be something as simple as that. Even Columbus saw these things. Mm-hmm. So the pyramids, so if you were to take the theory that Atlantis was global, they had outposts everywhere, and they were using this incredible energy, and inside these structures, there were other crystals. They were called great crystals, and we know that the Great Pyramid in Egypt had this beautiful capstone on it. And they were line of sight. And we know line of sight technology works, you know, really well. And, but they also were on ley lines that covered the globe. So they had astonishing communication systems, but their, their crystals weren't, you know, little ones like this Herkimer cluster, which is actually a good size for a Herkimer diamond. They were 10 to 20 feet tall, Mm. four or five feet in diameter, and water clear, especially the rubies. And they would grow rubies, and they would grow emeralds and topaz. They used them for healing. They used them for attunement, for vibration. Everything in Atlantis was about vibration and and growth and understanding and awareness. But this, it's like this little wisp of smoke of darkness and evil began to weave its way in. And you had a lot of scientists that started experimenting. And they began to play with vibration and frequencies, which is not unlike what we're doing with CERN. There's more than one CERN on the planet right now. And what happens when you're working with technology and you don't understand what's going to happen, you're just kind of playing Russian roulette with all of us. Yeah, I don't mean to laugh, but it's 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 a fact, and it's unfortunate because I think that's what happens with when you don't have that spiritual um, evol- like evolution happening alongside that knowledge, and that becomes imbalanced, right? So you think that intelligence is everything, 
and you don't bring any wisdom into the picture, right? Any sort of awareness of your heart and compassion, then that's when things get just really yucky. And so it sounds like Atlantis was um, a time of high advanced technology, not in, not necessarily computers as we see it, but perhaps crystal energy, crystal computers. And so they were on this evolution. Now, why do you think people are so connected to this Atlantis? Do you see a tie with what's happening with us right now and what happened back then? Okay. Well, yes. When the second destruction happened, it was, a lot of people knew it was coming. Some of us, some of some left the planet because we knew it because people knew it was coming. Some people stayed and it was a very bad situation. Some people knew it was coming to certain areas and they left. Some of them went to England and there is an enormous number of spiritual groups, whether it's the Druids or some very high spiritual societies that are in the United Kingdom, very high societies that most people never heard of. And then you have this, quote, overnight, overnight, you have Greece. Overnight, you go from cavemen to building the Acropolis. Overnight, you can do that. Or the Minoan civilization and the Roman civilization and the architecture is virtually identical across the board, which was Atlantean architecture. And so all these Atlanteans immediately reincarnated. Now we're back to a place where we can do mining and have satellites and have the chemical resources and the mineral resources to be able to have supercomputers. But we didn't learn from the past. And without a spiritual basis for wisdom, which is exactly what you're saying, that caused the first and second destruction. And on the planet today, I just watched a show by George Greer, The um, Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind. It was a Remarkable show. It's on Amazon Prime. He does an astonishing job of talking about the spiritual nature that we each have to have to get us out of the craziness that we're in. This And, and your show is an, an outstanding vehicle for this. When science does something because they can. When they can do an experiment where they give someone a drug or they inject someone with something and they have no idea what's going to happen. And then they go, oh, I guess that person died or, oh, I guess that's a mutilation or a mutation. And there's no compassion or wisdom attached to it. You are looking at civilization that can begin to implode. However, this new age movement that had its, you know, stumbles and falls and. But the overriding feeling in the new age movement that started 
in the 60s, late 50s, early 60s, began to get momentum after the Vietnam War in the 70s and the 80s. It is strong today. People are trying to reconnect. It's not just with religion. People are trying to connect to a higher power. They're transcending the insanity of the moment. They're involved with prayer, not just a church. Of, you know, it's one of the lost gospels that the Catholic Church tried to hide. And there was a, it, people thought it was a horror film. It was a film called Stigmata. Hey, Gabriel Byrne and Patricia Arquette. It came out, I think, in the 90s. And <clears throat> in this, they talk about one of the lost gospels, which talks, Christ talks about, cut a piece of wood and you will find me, lift a stone. In other words, the goodness that was Christ or Buddha or the great ones or the Dalai Lama are not found in buildings of wood and stone. They're all around us. It's when you love someone, you love a child, you love a pet, you love your trees, you love your plants. The answer is love. It's the most important four-letter word in any language. That's what Masuro Emoto was trying to tell us in Messages from Water. He may very well have been an old Atlantean. I have met an awful lot of them. Not just the one where the psychic says, oh, you were a healer in Atlantis. The people who, who really were there and who remember the lessons and who are back to put out spiritual messages. That's, that was the point of it all. And I think, you know, you bring up a, a, such a fantastic point because I wanted to touch upon this, that history repeats itself. History repeats itself both as an individual. So, for example, if I keep having bad relationships, I'm going to probably keep repeating that pattern until I solve my sort of inner issue that's attracting that now the same thing is happening on a collective level and so history repeats itself to give us a chance to resolve the things that we didn't actually resolve in the past so that's what i, I believe is happening now with this atlantis atlantean energy um is that a lot of us i believe there's probably a, a crazy amount of people that are have had lives in atlantis that are here doing it again to see what are you going to do this time what are your thoughts on that? That is the grace of God. That you have an opportunity. I hear people say all the time, oh, you know, if I had it to do over, I would. You have it to do over, do it differently. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have many, many clients, many women clients who never had children because their childhoods were horrific. And they wanted this lifetime to heal themselves and find their spiritual soul so that if they come back again or when they come back again, they will be better. They will be far more healed. And I have to admire those women for the courage to look into themselves with wisdom and say, I, I, I'm not going to go do what my parents did to me. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm not going to. I'm not going to make, maybe I'll make some mistakes, but I won't make the same ones. Mm -hmm. I believe we're at, we're at the point of a precipice. I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that. We must bring ethics and moral values 
And and I and I don't want to abuse the word compassion, but if you can if if you deliberately put something inside a person and you know good and well that it's going to harm them. If you know you have 75 pages of side effects that are going to do these horrendous things to people, if you know that and you put it out to them with no conscience, it's forcing people to look at what's happened and wake up and look around them. Look at the people who are questioning everything and are are standing up. Millions of people all over the world wanted freedom. I mean, not everything in Atlantis was super cool and perfect. There was a lot of dictatorship. There was a lot of cruelty. There was a lot of depravity. As the, as the second destruction got closer and closer, the sons of Belial ended up in bestiality. The... Um, there was a lot of child sacrifice. That's what they believe the temples of Baalbek are in Beirut. That there were child sacrifice took place there to the god Baal. And um, everybody thinks it was a Roman, it was a Roman temple, but it was be, it was there before the Romans, because the trilithon is the largest single cut block on the planet right now, and that's in Baalbek. Is bigger than anything in Egypt. So it was there long before the Romans got there. It's a remnant from Atlantis. And spacecraft used it. But what they did, the cruelties that they perpetrated, the lack of conscience for any physician to look at someone and deliberately cause harm violates every <clears throat> professional and spiritual oath a person could have. And they did it in Atlantis. They made hybrids of things and they abused people. They had these horrible drone people who were sub, almost subhuman. They uh, crossed human beings with animals. That's where the centaurs came from, minotaurs, all kinds of things. Those things were real. They happened. And without a person displaying ethics, we are headed in this direction. Without accepting responsibility for your own soul and saying, no, this is not going to happen again. And every one of us is responsible. And again, your show is an opportunity to offer people something else to think about when it comes to this. Yeah, and I, you know what? I think we're, you bring up such great points of what's happened in the past. And I feel a lot of that stuff is happening now. Um, this thing with integrity and morality and all these underground things that are happening and testing on people you know they tested on people black people in the in the what the 60s or 70s in the united states to do with uh, mind control um 
uh, unknowingly. Like I think they were using uh, they used some sort of syphilis thing as well. And so well, there, this was has been, there was the Tuskegee experiments, and they right. experimented on the military for years. Yes, exactly, right. And this is what we know. This is what came to the surface. So I imagine what we don't know of the things that they're actually uh, that they've gotten away with, you know, in the underground bases and stuff. So I feel there's such a direct correlation to what's happened in the past and what's happening now. It's just that it's not seen. Like we, the, the public doesn't really have the full view of what's really going on. You talked about child sacrifices. I mean, unfortunately, I do believe that, you know, you watch uh, this, uh, what's his name, Tim Tim Ballery or something like that with this movie coming out, Sound of Freedom, to do with child trafficking. And no one really wants to talk about it. No one really wants to talk about it because it's so nasty and ugly and, and evil. But I do really believe that there's like this unfortunate underground trafficking thing going on for, for children and for w- women as well, for slavery. It's just that it's not it's not seen in the public. And so this stuff has to come out and it's going to be ugly. I, I do a lot of remote viewing and a woman asked me to remote view a rental house in Tacoma, Washington. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm just going to review this rental house and, you know, <laughs> clean it up. Maybe there's a portal or two, you know, simple stuff. So I'm going to clean it up. But what happened was, I think I'm cleaning up this much, but it showed me this much. The human trafficking that I saw, the souls that that came to me was so jaw-dropping and s- disturbing is, an, is not the right word. I was devastated by what I saw. I mean, I, I was not coherent for a week. I, I couldn't believe it. And one of the first ghosts we, you know, that I that I encountered was we might I have a team on the other side that I certainly don't do this work alone. Was a, a young woman, and she was trafficked, and they overdosed her, and she died, and she she said, "I mean, people forget these 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 people have families that miss them." She said. Can you please tell my mother that I heard her praying for me? Mm. And she said, you know, I could hear my mother pray for me every night. Can you please let her know that her prayers were answered because you're here and I'm not alone and in the dark and afraid anymore. Mm. Now multiply that by millions of children. Millions. I've cleared tunnels and found horrific things in the tunnels so you've really you've seen really, this stuff with, I've seen with this your stuff. psychic this abilities not, yeah this is not wow that it, you couldn't you couldn't make up the horrors that are there so they're obviously there you've seen them you've experienced them. them um now <laughs> If you were to talk to the average person, they would say, oh, no, that's just in Hollywood. Oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. There's no evidence for that. I feel like, you know, we've sort of been programmed since birth to just sort of like, um, you know, not pay attention to the things that actually matter. I hate to say it that way. Like in the fact of like, let's clean up the corruption. Let's clean up what's really going on. Let's make sure everybody has food and everybody has water. It's not just about a certain uh, population being happy. It's about if there's 
8 billion people on this planet. Let's make sure we feed and make sure they have enough water and make sure we love enough everybody. It's not just about what I have or, or you have. And I think that's the problem with, with modern society is that it sort of teaches this competition that you got to fight for what you, what you is success, what they teach you success really is. And I think that there's this, that that's why it feels when I'm looking at, you know, that sort of public space out there as to what people are seeing, you know, like, uh, Elon Musk now like releasing this Twitter file stuff, right? It's it's coming astounding. out in chunks. It's, it's astounding, astounding, right? And there's people like, and I'm I just like to see, observe and watch. And there's people that say, oh, what he's releasing is fake, right? So they, they it's got, <laughs> like, yeah, can't make I this very stuff up. I, I I very much doubt that this stuff is fake. It's because it's so intense and so deep that we don't really want to look that deep because then we're going to have to face with looking at ourselves. Right. And what, and like you said earlier, it's about taking responsibility for ourselves and for our actions and for our thoughts, instead of giving it to somebody else, our governments, our society to tell us what is happy, what is success. We determine that through the foundation that you talked about with, which is love that we all are connected. So if I do something, I need to think about how that's going to affect the person on the other side of the world. And that's missing. Well, I think we have forgotten. Somehow we've been beaten to death with global warming. Yeah. I mean, the planet's going to do what the planet's going to do. And there are enough astonishingly conscientious people on this planet who are repairing things. They're cleaning up the plastic island in the ocean. Boyan Slot and several other companies are doing astonishing things to clean up the plastic. I've seen things where they're using the plastic. There was a guy in the 90s who came out with a, a product that all the plastic we're, quote, recycling turns right back into crude oil. Hmm. We have an unlimited supply of it. We don't have to drill. There's so much of it. Yeah. It's called anything for oil. I, I mean, we tried to invest with this guy, but the Americans wouldn't have it. So I don't know where he went, but, you know, maybe that's where the Saudi oil comes from because... <laughs> This guy had had an astonishing process, and he isn't the only one. I've seen inventor after inventor after inventor. There's plenty of energy. This We're running out of energy, and they were saying in the 1920s, we'd all be underwater by now, and that was a lie in the 20s, the 30s, the 60s, the 90s, and today. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. And there's such a global narrative, isn't there, about like everyone's talking about climate change right now. You got... The Prime Minister of Canada, you got Biden, you got Macron, you got, you know, whoever else is kind of plugged into this global elitist group. And they're sort of singing this same song when I'm when I'm thinking, OK, even if that is true, what about the people that can't afford, you know, the heating? Right. So in, here in Canada, we have people that are actually having their like in our community. There's there's a couple that they didn't want to even be known, but they got their natural gas shut off. Because they're being overtaxed, so they can't even afford to heat their house and it's minus 20 Celsius out at night. And so they got this as a priority rather than foundationally making sure people are, are like warm and have food. And so it's completely reversed. And even if that were true, you'd say, okay, well, realistically, we are in, you know, we got 20 years of, of you know, figuring out where we're going to be after oil. So let's be realistic about it. Let's get there in a realistic way. But they're trying to like cut off people's arms and hands. Um, but punishing for using oil. And there was a, there was a gentleman, he's a really smart geologist. His name is Randall Carlson. You might've heard about this guy. He even said that this 
climate change is a bunch of BS. And he says yeah. it because he's they've drilled into the Antarctic uh, uh, ice and they've actually shown that actually it was something like 15,000 years ago, the CO2 emissions were way higher than they are now. And it was yeah. the temperature was way hotter than it is now. It's just yeah. a rhythm. And so this, this data that they're taking... Heterosetherism, but I think what's happening is like sort of science, science has been sort of hijacked and they yeah. take out the data that is not what they don't want you to see. So they can, you, they form that narrative for you. So it's important that everyone does their research. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I also have watched so, again, so many remarkable and conscientious inventors coming up with astonishing plans, getting people excited about it to clean up the earth and to plant more trees. You realize that people in Africa have, uh, there was a, uh, I think it was a Japanese millionaire who funded this, God bless him. He funded planting a million, I think between one and five million trees to push the Sahara north. Sahara used to be a garden, was gorgeous with trees. They're already affecting the climate in Africa. Wow. They're taking their, their continent back. They're working things out. I applaud these people. Yeah. Brazil, they're cutting rainforests like there's no tomorrow. But in Brazil and in Ecuador and Bolivia, there are these wealthy, wealthy people who are planting like there's no tomorrow. There are some amazing people. And when we feel badly, we need to put some of these amazing and conscientious people in charge and let them operate with more wisdom. Yeah, exactly. These are the people that need a microphone and need the spotlight instead of... Um them being uh, silenced or worst case killed. Uh, you know, there's a ton of stories about how people made hydrogen based cars. Um, you know, you find these old videos on the internet and these people have figured out electric cars 100 to 150 years ago, hydrogen cars in the seventies and eighties, these people end up mysteriously dead. Right. Uh, well, not only that, there were, there are two things I heard in the last week and I had heard it before, but there was a guy who figured out how to run engines on water. Mm -hmm. There was another guy who, who realized that you literally could burn the fumes of oil and get 100 miles to a gallon. You didn't have to burn the gasoline itself. You could burn the fumes and get the same power from it. We have the answers. They exist. It's the people of the world, it's Independence Day all over again when you look at the movie. Only the threat isn't aliens. I think the threat is us. <laughs> yeah. And we have to we have to band together. I I I am not that far from you. I'm right on the border in Canada. And I I have to say that I am really worried about Canada. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't think too. I'm me, the only one. I, 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 you know, and as a Canadian, I, I've never seen this country like this, where it's been so divided and there's so much anger and frustration and fear flowing through every community, large and small. And it just leaves me someone like, do I even want to live here? 
anymore? Do I pr probably want to go to like South America and live in a jungle and grow my own fruit and vegetables? You know, that's honestly a possibility. But, you know, it's like you said, it's about us coming together. And it's nice to see, like, for example, that freedom truck, um, the freedom convoy that happened, that really made me, I don't like to use the word proud very often, but it did make me a little proud to say that, you know what, there is a large group out there that are standing up for people's rights. And it created a nice uh, sort of domino effect in the world that, you know what, if, if they're doing it, then we can do it too. We can stand up, right? We have a voice. We have to, we have to just give ourselves permission to actually use it. Look at the Chinese. They're welding the doors of their homes shut. Oh my God. Welding them shut. Complete insanity. And I I have to I have to say that one of the lessons of Atlantis was that they stopped being a, a large segment of the population stopped being spiritual. And in today's society, spiritual people think, oh, that means you go to church. It's nothing to do with church. It has to do with community. And one of the very first things that was done was people were instantly divided. You can't go to church, but you can go to a bar. Never, I never quite understood that. You can't meet to sing, which would have released endorphins and promoted your immune system and healing. You can't hug one another. The human souls need the human contact of hugging and loving one another. You can't get together for celebrations. You have to be alone in the hospital. And all the people who died alone is criminal. And we need to keep focusing on love and standing up. I agree. And this is why I... We're talking about this podcast today, this topic today, because I feel it's so absolutely relevant, even though it's been however tens of thousands of years ago, what's going on now is exactly the same sort of setup that happened back then. We have a choice now. We have a choice to look within and to heal those broken connections, whether it's within ourselves or to build that bridge with somebody else out there. Because like you said, the key word, I think, I know it's hard to, it's easy to say compassion, right? But having compassion for the people that are even, you know, maybe unconscious about what they're doing, right? Perhaps they're all playing along with this evil narrative and they just are so programmed, they don't know it. But, you know, being angry at them, is that going to solve anything? Or is actually being compassionate and, you know, is giving as much love as you can? Because I believe that's going to be the energy that heals someone. If you send them anger and hatred or whatever, that's going to build up a further wall. And that ego is just going to, you know, fight another ego. And so it is about building that bond of love. And it's not easy because you know things are frustrating. The world is frustrating. People can be frustrating. But I think we well, have I, to like rise above that. I I think that is absolutely the, the right answer. And I I might offer a suggestion for people who feel like, what can I possibly do? I would offer that, I mean, I have this this wonderful book, The Crossing of a Prayer Book, and it's got Prayers you can send to heal the world. You can create your own prayer. I mean, I wrote a bunch of prayers that are really, really helpful. But you don't have to have someone give you a prayer. If you develop a conversation with God within yourself, and you ask God to help you in sending healing to the entire world, 
sending angels to all the people in China who are trapped, sending angels to the farmers in Holland, the 3,000 farmers whose farms are being destroyed. If you send angels and prayers of help and healing to every citizen of earth, and your prayer is that, that we all have the strength and courage to overcome our karmic weaknesses and bring peace on earth. It's a great time of year, but we should be doing it not just a few days in a row. Make a commitment that for the next rest of your life, you will send that prayer out 365 days a year, every day. If a million people did a prayer that they could create with those elements every single day, it's the consistency of the power. Prayer is an energy. And when you send it out and you call upon the angels and you call upon God and you ask for help, you are not helpless. You are helpful. You are full of help. Give it to the world. That's my soapbox. I'm going to get off now. I love it. No, that's such wonderful advice. Um, I I did a quick video the other day, words are spells. And it's just like, what you say becomes reality. What you pray and you have faith in it becomes manifest. It's it's your level of belief in it. So I think that's so, such a great thing to do on a daily basis, not just like you said, on Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever uh, holiday it may be, but every day, take some time out and send that energy that the world needs because we are going through, um, you could call it a, uh, you know, a osmosis type thing or a trans- transformation from you know, the, the beetle into the butterfly type thing is there's, it's, there's a lot of chaos going on and, you know, it, it's a little heavy. Um, but I think, you know, when we come together and realize that we're not alone and realize that our, our prayer means something, you know, the, I think this is like why we're seeing, you know, there's such amazing groups of people that you were just talking about that are actually cleaning up the oceans that are actually figuring out how to be more energy efficient instead of just like using, you know, jumping on the climate bandwagon and saying, punish those that are using oil and gas. Well, give us some optional ways, create something, invent something. What's your solution instead of being angry? Exactly. I mean, electric cars takes 4,500 gallons to put out an electric car battery fire. I mean, uses slave trade practically to dig up lithium for the batteries. Mm-hmm. The, the electric car scenario is non-sustainable. It's not going to happen. It's worth, every electric car uses a house worth of energy, a house worth. So yeah. it's not viable. It's not, it's not the answer. And there are very smart people who came up with the answer a long time ago. We just need to employ that answer. And ironically, it was Nikola Tesla who came up with the answer. Mm-hmm. And um, he used old Atlantean technology. It's interesting. It really is. So going back on on this Atlantean, so this is such a, a, a deep subject. So we're going into what we can uh, with our time allotted here. Now, so are we sort of now at the same stage where they were at near the end 
Now you said they went through a big cataclysm twice. Now, mm-hmm. did they have a chance like energetically as to where we are to sort of turn the tide to the, to the light where they could have avoided this cataclysm? Do you feel that we are sort of energetically similar in, in a same energy where they were prior, just prior to their fall? Or do we actually have a chance to escape the previous fate of the first two times? I, I believe that we have, we're, like I say, we're at the precipice. We, as a planet, have a chance to say no to those who would, who would take us back to the Atlantean slave society. You had the elites and you had the slaves who were completely controlled through the genetic experiments. I mean, they did genetic experiments on a lot of people and animals at that time. If people stand up and say no, it's hard. I mean, we still have to make a living and and we have sometimes standing up for what you believe in is difficult. It's what military people do. We we took a, an oath to defend the Constitution, not a person or a political party, but a document that stands as a beacon for the world. The United States is flawed. You know, we're a rough and tumble, rough edge group sometimes. But the heart of this country the truest heart is beautiful. And I look at the countries that surround us, and I, they've been all over the world. The heart and soul of most of the countries I have been to is beautiful. Humanity has its own beauty. And when people stand up for each other, when people find their ethical compass, and they do the right thing, it can be turned around, but we're running out of time. Ask the farmers in Holland. Exactly. Um, really well said there. And, you know, you look at the evidence, like you're saying, um, as at what's being eaten up. It's it's not the big corporate cor- corporations that are being, um, you know, they're paying their dues. It's It's the individual that's being punished and the farmers and you know look at look at like you said look at the canadian farmers look at um the netherlands um worldwide there is like our rights are being taken away just on a brick by brick layer by level and you know when you <laughs> there's going to be a point when we look back and there's going to be nothing left that we gave all our rights away and um we're giving them to people that don't have that sort of um connection to spirit and that's a dangerous thing because we don't understand the connection with each other and speaking about evidence, now, if someone were to say, you know, and we live in a very factual evidence-based reality right now, very, very left brain. So there's going to be a lot of people that speak this language. So what can we say to people that say, well, you know, 
the evidence isn't in that that climate change is uh, is real. That um, Atlantis would never existed. That evidence that um, you know God doesn't exist. Like, how can we reach? How can we sort of you know get over that gap, build a bridge for that gap? Whether it's our family, whether it's our friends, to build that bridge to reconnect with those people that have been so far led astray. What are some things that we can do as individuals? Because I know that I feel that I've lost a lot of connections with friends and family because of what's going on in this modern world. So if it's happening to me, it's happening to a lot of people too. What's your advice for some people like that? Uh, you won't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. But we, this is about truth. We need it. Let them go. Mm. You can't. You cannot want something for someone they don't want for themselves. You can't want something from that person that they have no capacity to give you. There are, there are families who have healed their divides. There are families who very probably will never heal their divides. And even as these people are dying, they still feel they were right. Even as they turn a blind eye to being lied to, something in their brain has been programmed. Move on. Spend your energy on helping those you can help. It's triage. I'm not going to knock myself out to convince someone who doesn't want to be convinced. Mm -hmm. This isn't the military where I can say this is a direct order, which I used extremely seldom in the military. Everything was a team effort. And every team member had a voice and we worked together. Direct orders are for when you're in a crisis and someone has to make a decision. We are in a time when work with the people you can work with Build your family unit as strong as you can build it. Put out a peace offering, but don't knock yourself out if they're not going to accept it. Move on. And don't be guilty about it. Each person made a choice. Those choices are what they are. And you can still love the person you have to live without. And at the same time, accept that you have to respect their choice. It's not up to you to convince them. Don't waste your energy. Spend your energy, which we desperately need, in prayer to save what's left of the world while we still can. That's really great advice, Tina. Um, you know, that's something that I've experienced throughout the past, especially five years, but more importantly, the two or three years that have been really intense. So I can imagine anybody else out there that this is what it's about. It's like you do your best, um, but it's important that you fill your own cup first so that you can then share that energy appropriately with those that are willing to receive it. And like Tina says, through the, um, through the act of prayer. And this is the energy that we need to heal because if we just do what everyone else is doing, if we just do what our neighbors are doing, what TV tells us to do, then we're, we're part of the problem. We're, we're basically repeating what's happened in the past. 
And, you know, I, I am one that's very aware of my uh, sort of <laughs> my patterns and I don't like repeating my patterns. And if it repeats, then I'm like, okay, I didn't learn a lesson here. And I need to be aware of this because I don't want this repeating and this is uncomfortable. And I think that if you're out there and you're going through something like that, is like, be gentle on yourself, right? This, this is such a, a important, um, and like you said, it's a time of crisis, isn't it? It's a time of crisis. We're in a crisis mode, yes. And we've been in a crisis mm-hmm. mode for two years and there's a lot of fear. And I would offer that fear is a club and you're being beaten to death with it. When you own your fear, no one has power over you. And some people are so afraid. I'm so afraid of fill in the blank. You know, start giving people your confidence. Start giving people a belief in a better tomorrow. Be as positive as you can, and at the same time, be realistic. And trust, trust your inner voice that warns you about things you're being told. Listen to that voice. It will further your spiritual path more than you can possibly realize. That's really great advice. And I think especially coming up, as we were just talking about the uh, Elon Musk Twitter files, a lot of this information is going to be coming to the this, this surface. So we need to be able to have that inner balance in order to discern what is true and not just label everything either either a conspiracy or fake. Let our Listen to our intuition, listen to our inner voice and trust that. And when you, when you learn to trust that, then your journey becomes easier because you have someone to turn into, to turn towards instead of turning towards the news or to some other um, past person or, you know, society uh, member, you're turning towards your own heart and your own internal voice that guides you. And you you learn to trust that. And I think that's really important because, you know, there's a lot we didn't actually talk about. Um, you know, now that I'm looking over my notes, we, I had a big, interesting, there's so many things I wanted to discuss about um, Atlantis. So perhaps we may have to actually <laughs> do this on a, on another episode because it's such a deep, um, just on its own, it's a very a, a deep subject. And how it relates to what we're going through is obviously you can tell that we're bringing up a lot of similarities. So I may be asking Tina uh, again to um, dive into a part two of, of this episode because you know we're getting into that time and um, there's about 20 questions I didn't get to really get into. So with that said, uh, I would like to offer Tina uh, another opportunity to come back to help finish this episode. But is there anything that you'd like to say, Tina, before we finish up this, uh, this episode? I would like to remind people to believe in yourself, to love your family, but respect that it's not up to you to change them. And Don't be guilty over that. Pray with all of your heart. Your biggest immune system booster is a connection to God. That's about as blunt as I can say it. When you have that connection, you begin to shed fear. If you feel it creep in, ask for angels to surround you. And I'll give you a spiritual practice you can use forever. Put an angel in front of you and an angel on either shoulder, which creates a triangle, wink, wink, very powerful shape. And you've got those three angels and you're moving through life 
with that power. And as you're saying your prayers, these angels are projecting that beautiful prayer to the world. So yes, I'd love so, to come back. <laughs> so beautiful. So beautiful. That's such an awesome prayer. Um, and awesome that you want to come back because, like I said, there's a lot of things that I didn't get into that I'm very interested in myself. So I can imagine other people would be as well uh, to do with, you know, Bigfoots and experiments and the underground uh, systems and the dumbs and all these things that are perhaps connected to uh Atlantean uh, energies that are happening now. So a lot of interesting things we haven't got into, but um, I will leave it at that. I want to thank Tina for joining me once again, and I will definitely be offering her a chance to come back again. I hope she does. I'd be delighted. Awesome. So that'll be happening soon. Thank you everybody for joining me. And once again, thank you, Tina. Thank you.